Hey, everybody, this is David with the Sales Development Podcast over here at TenBound. Very excited to announce TenBound.com. We've got the TenBound Sales Development Conferences coming up this year, obviously doing them virtually in March, June, and August, and then hopefully doing a live in-person event in October in San Francisco. Hopefully that happens. And in the meantime, definitely get over to tenbout.com, sign up. The virtual conferences are free and there'll be packed days with tracks on sales development leadership from some of the top leaders in the sales development world talking about how they're doing sales development today in such a strange environment that we're in and how they're being successful you know, year after year. We're going to be talking tactical tips. We're going to be talking about how to actually do the job in 2021, and we need you there. So jump over to tenbound.com, T-E-N-B-O-U-N-D.com, and register for free for the virtual events, and we'll see you coming up here in the spring. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I'm David Delaney, your host, and I am joined today all the way across the ocean with Mr. Mark McGinnis of Mark McGinnis Sales Training, founder, trainer, main guy for APAC Sales Training. Mark, how are you doing today? David, really well. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. It's great to be here. You've got a fantastic vehicle. I love listening to this podcast. It's really cool. Thank you. Awesome. Mark, thank you for coming on. I'm super excited. I was introduced to your book through a connection here in the States, Tactical Pipeline Growth, Winning the Outbound Battle for New Business. That is such an excellent title because we feel like we're on the front lines a lot of the times, especially in the sales development world. Tell us, how did you get into sales training? And then let's dive into the book. Okay, sure thing. So I got into sales training because like a lot of people, I've been in sales for you know, most of my adult life, you know, fell into sales. Ironically, I fell into sales because they wouldn't let me out of the army unless I had a job. And so the short story is, you know, I got a, I got a job in sales and promotion. And that sort of reflected in the book. You can see there's a bit of a military flavor all the way through. And I got into sales for a long time. So I was in selling for about 20 years and got to the point where I realized I really enjoyed seeing that smile on people's face when they got a new skill, you know, the training part of the sales management piece. And so over, over time, it just became obvious that that was where I wanted to go as I got to the, the mid-late part of my life. You know, I'm 52 years old. I'm, I'm not ready to hang up the shingle just yet, but it felt like, you know, what am I going to do for the next 15 years that can really provide some value? And when I kept thinking about my sales management role, the piece that I really got a kick out of was seeing new recruits, new salespeople going, oh yeah, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm making quota. This is good. So that's how I got into training and I've been doing that for about six years now. I really love it. I get a real kick out of it. I love it. And so you mentioned you have to have a job in order to leave the army. Is that like a rule that they have for you or it was just an <laughs> unspoken thing? Because they'll just out here, they'll just kick you out. They'll, you know, you just, see ya. I was really lucky. So I was, I was in a bit of a lower level special force and they wouldn't let me out. So they were just trying to make it difficult because they'd spend a lot of money on my training and I'd, I'd managed to fly oh. around the country. I trained with some of the guys over there in the US. I, I trained with the Queen's Guards over in Windsor Castle. And so the, you know, the, the people in charge were just trying to make it as difficult as they could for me to get out, hoping that I'd change my mind. But I can be pretty one-track-minded, you know? So once I've made my mind up, that was pretty much it. So right. okay. that was why that was the case. 
So, yeah. <laughs> you told him, I'm out. I, I got something. So <laughs> you guys. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So you love that look on people's faces when they're getting, they're getting it, right? And so did you sit down when you wrote tactical pipeline growth? Did you sit down and say, okay, I want to get this process down on paper? Or is this something you've been developing over several years? Look, I think it's something that I've been developing over years. So it's a combination of both, to be honest. And, you know, I've been training people for a long time and, and you can see what's working and what's not working. And at the same time, I wanted to provide like a handbook, if you like, for people to be able to actually go and, and do things that was easy to read. So I, I read a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of YouTube videos. It's one of the great things about working for yourself is if, if you love what you do, you can spend a lot of time doing it. So I've got this capacity to be able to consume a lot of content. And a lot of the content that I was consuming was aimed at the sales manager, sales leader, or even the business leader, you the CEO level. And I wanted to provide something that was going to be really easy for people to be able to go and, and take action, you know, something that they could read, put in the place. And so as a result, I've written it for that frontline salesperson, for the BDM, for the BDR, for the SDR, and something that they could consume pretty quickly, complete with, you know, charts, graphics, scripts, all that sort of thing. So it was really important to me that it was easy to consume, something you could do really quickly, and it was tactical in that it put, you were able to put those tactics into play pretty quickly. Got it. Okay. So, and when you look at a lot of sales books, it is sort of written for that higher level, you know, the manager almost as like a calling card for the consultant to come in and, and start working with them. So this, you took this from a different angle. This is almost like a field manual for people actually doing the job. Yes, and that's quite deliberately. So look, I make no sense about it, uh, no excuses about it. Some people are really, really good at talking. Some people really have a good handle on the English language. You know, that's just not me. I'm not that well-educated but I still think that that doesn't stop us from me being able to provide some great resources to other people and help other people to be successful. So to try and write a book that was going to, you know, be well-read and well-received for the CEO was going, probably going to be very difficult for me to be able to do and also going to be not quite authentic in who I really am. So I'm very comfortable at the front line, you know, helping salespeople make outbound calls, helping salespeople work through their LinkedIn outreach, helping people, you know, structure their emails. I'm not a strategy guy. So it made sense that, you know, I tried to put, package it in a way that the frontline salespeople could grab, grab this and, and take it away. And I also thought there was a gap there as well for the, you know, the, the smaller teams that can't afford sales training and, and don't get the opportunity to spend a lot of time researching. I know as a sales manager myself, I didn't have the capacity to be able to read hundreds of books because I was busy putting out fires every day. And if you're a sales leader with, you know, 10 to 100 sales reps, you know how difficult it is, right? So you don't have that time. So I wanted to produce something that was, was really easy for people to take action on. So this is something they can basically throw in their backpack, <laughs> get out in the field and start using immediately, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So got it. You know, we've got everything in there, in there from cadences to, to some scripts and, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, how is it structured? Okay, so you've got, it's laid out, there's the new rules of engagement, right? So it's going into the reality of how things are different now than they were even like five or 10 years ago, you know, with the digital, everything being digital. And then you go into the five pillars of effective prospecting. So how do you lay out the book? So if somebody buys this and they say, okay, you know, how's this going to help me? Okay, so a bit like a pitch, really. So, you know, up front, we talk about what the current situation is, things like, you know, the communication channels have changed. You know, we can't just rely on the telephone and all that. The phone certainly plays a valuable piece. 
in our outreach today, you know, there's so many other channels that we should be embracing to try and reach our clients because our clients use different channels to communicate themselves. Some people are not in email very often. Some sectors won't answer the telephone if they don't recognize your number. And what I mean by that is HR and, and marketing departments tend to be pretty phone shy from a cold call. Whereas if you're calling a senior person inside the sales function, you can probably get them on the telephone. So, you know, we can't just afford to take a single approach. So basically up front, we, we present a, a picture of what, where we think things of communications change and then work through the, as I said, the five pillars of prospecting effectiveness. And if I can jump into those, is that okay, David? Yeah, please. So I think the first part that we need to really focus on is, is, and this is probably the most important, even though it feels like it's not when you're talking about a book from that's called tactical pipeline growth, you know, like a, a sales rep. And I use the term sales rep as an umbrella term. Right, so anybody that's representing their business, so whether it be a selling CEO, you know, a small business, through to an SDR, through to an AE, they're all a representative of the organisation that they sell for. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so we need we need to take that sales reps mindset. They have to have a really strong understanding about why it is they need to be reaching out to start conversations. Why is that business development needs to be part of their everyday activity? Because one of the biggest challenges we see time and time again is people just not doing enough activity or they start to do outbound activity really sporadically. So they might do a little bit on, on one week, then they get busy in inverted commas, do a whole bunch of other stuff, realize that their pipeline has got no new leads. So they go back and they prospect for two or three days, you know, on week four of the month and then they don't do anything again. So if we can get their mindset in, in, in the right place so that they understand that you know new business activity is something that I need to be doing regularly and it's got some real value for the people that we're reaching out to and that we have that right to start a conversation then it makes it really really easy I'm fortunate to be training a, a team in in London the UK at the moment and of course they're in lockdown version two so it's really difficult for them to be starting new conversations but you know they understand that the only way their customers are going to get in access to the information and the products that they sell is through them. It's a brand new product. It's a really valuable service that provides some great economic benefits for their clients, but it's also got a really strong environmental benefit. So it's you know helping their businesses be more sustainable. So when the reps understand the value that they bring to starting those conversations, it's much easier for people to be able to take action. So I think that's a really the key point when, when people understand and believe the value that they bring people don't or have that people have sales reps have less of that call reluctance or email reluctance or whatever it is that you want to call 100 percent. and you know we've chatted about this with other guests it's you know people are especially on the entry level salespeople, they're kind of you know they get out of school they might have some debt they're like uh, what am i going to do now you know oh there's this job that I can get called sales development. Okay, cool. And next thing you know, they're on the phone selling this, this very esoteric, you know, tech product that they really don't have much familiarity with and not a whole lot of passion around. So in that case, I mean, you still have to pay the bills, right? And you want to be, you know, a good SDR, a good salesperson. Can you grow to, you know, become passionate about a product or should you just look for something else to sell? Okay, so I think if you're really unpassionate, I think you probably need to look for something else to sell. But you're right, you know, you need, you need to pay the bills. There's not many products that exist, and I'll be happy for you to challenge me, David, but I don't think there's too many products that exist that don't provide a benefit to the people that buy it. So 
I think if we can really understand what that is, and, and one of the best ways to do that is to simply have you know, multiple conversations with customers who are happy with your product. And then we can take those talking points or take that mindset, you know, I sold David this, David said, you know, this provided him with a great result. And that gives us the right to reach out to people just like David to try and say, hey, I'm not sure if it's for you, but it sounds to me like, you know, this could be something that you're working on or something that you're thinking about. Would you like to have a conversation about that? And that's a very short example, but there's not too many bad products out there that still exist in the B2B world, I don't think. I mean, yeah, maybe I'm it's wrong. A, it's a really good point in that, you know, if the product's not good, the company's not going to be around very long. So if the company is successful enough that they're expanding, they're hiring, they're bringing on staff, you know, there's got to be some, some satisfied customers you can go out and talk to. I love that. That's such great advice. So, yeah, look, I mean, and if you take those talking points, so if you're selling, you know, vehicles, for example, you know, like some people might say, well, you know, the more and more vehicles on the planet are going to create a bad outcome. Okay. But if you're selling vehicles and you're selling, you know, pickup trucks to tradespeople, you know, well, they, how are they going to do their job without that? So, exactly. you know, I think if, you know, you could probably look at almost any product from a good and a bad standpoint, but I think salespeople, sales reps are typically optimistic and they can still be able to see the good side of what the client's are getting from each of their products and services and then focus on those. I think so too. The other thing that you mentioned, it kind of reminded me, a lot of sales reps, the productivity and the activity goes up and down depending on what, what's on their plate at the time, especially when you've got a full range of duties. If somebody wants to close a deal today, you're going to drop all your prospecting and go close the deal, but then you've kind of lost that momentum effect. So I got from this that you want to keep that up every day, you know, no matter what's going on. Is that right? I think closing a deal and opening a deal have got equal first priority. If you can embed that type of mindset into your sales function, then you're going to have a much stronger success. But what happens a lot of times, David, and you've probably seen it yourself, is, is leaders will themselves will focus on the closed deal, right? Because they're probably interested in deals opened in relation to managing their pipeline conversations they have with their frontline sales reps. But, you know, they're not reporting deals open up the line, are they? They're, to, they're, they're reporting closed deals up the line. So that's where I think there can be a real challenge, you know, because yeah. the sales leaders are saying opening new conversations is just as important as, oh, hang on, there's a closed opportunity. Go and do that. <laughs> It's, it's schizophrenic. <laughs> yeah. So what do you, what is yeah. your poor old sales rep goes, okay, well, I'm going to do what I see as the most important, you know? So, you know, it's do it, do as I say, not as I do. People focus on what other people do and then mimic that. Yeah. Well, it, it always kind of reminds me there, there was, this is, this is a little bit of a weird reference, but Shackleton against Admonson on the, you know, trying to get to the South pole and Shackleton oh, yeah. would only, go in when nice weather and they would try to get as far as they can, but then they would hunker down during a storm and Admonson just kept plogging along, you know, 20 miles a day, rain or shine. And even if it was nice, they would just stop and rest. And, you know, he got there first. And I, I kind of feel like that's, you know, the same with prospecting, you know, you, you, even if it's sunny and nice, <laughs> you know, you got to do it every day, rain or shine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, I read somewhere and I put it in my book, actually, you know, the high performance selling is when you're able to complete your activities at a high level, regardless of the environment. You know, it's pretty easy to be great at sales when, you know, you've got awesome leads, 
you've got no stress. But, you know, when you flip that around and, and you've got really tough sales, it's a tough situation, you're under a bit of stress, you know, still being able to produce those results when it's difficult is what high performance is all about. It's easy to be a high performer when, when, when things are easy. Oh, 100%. I mean, this year it proves. I mean, that's the same with, yeah. you know, starting your company, right? I mean, all of a sudden, you know, this global pandemic comes and you think everything's great, you know, it knocks you right on your, your backside. So, yep, I get that 100%. Yep. And yeah. now, you know, you go into, you go into the messaging is really important. Now, I think a lot of people just rely on the phone or email, but there's a whole multi-touch, you know, cadence once you've developed this. Can you tell us a bit about that? So I'm a big advocate of spreading our outreach across multiple channels. And, you know, I'm sure lots and lots of other people have come on your podcast and, and said something similar. But I like to take that a little bit deeper than what I've seen many others do. So when I'm building a cadence for, for a client, we would typically include, of course, the telephone and, and email, but we'd include things like direct mail, you know, so that's a bit old school. I know that wherever that's, that's possible. We'd certainly include LinkedIn. We'd include text messaging, which we're allowed to, down, to do down here cold in Australia. You know, voicemails, pretty obvious. So things like that video has been working pretty well for us. So there's a whole bunch of different touches that we can spread across a cadence or a sequence to make sure that our message is being delivered the way that the perfect, the way that we think our client's going to be more receptive. And it makes for a good change too. And what we're seeing is, is people are referencing, yeah, I got that little letter that you sent me. And so when we talk about direct mail, for example, you know, I'm not suggesting we should create something that's very difficult to, to send out, but you know, maybe you've got an A4 infographic we might just fold that up put that in, the, in an envelope write you know our prospect's name on the on the envelope handwritten and, and put a post-it note with the infographic hey dave you know i'm going to be calling calling to talk about this in the next couple of weeks stick that in the letter and send it to your, your work address and then you know we can use that as a point of reference when we call in in three four five days a week later whatever the case may be and what 100%. we're saying is people are saying oh yeah i, I got that and that's just an example of where you can differentiate yourself a little bit. It doesn't cost a lot of money. So it costs about a, a dollar here in Australia. And not many people are doing that. So people will go, yeah, I saw that. I wonder what that was. It's something to stand out. And then if you've been, if you've, you've got a few cadences built and you're, you're mixing it up with the different you know, type of channels, how do you know when you know, you're starting to see you know, some lower results? How do you know when to change, what to change? How do you kind of like test it as you're moving through to make sure that, you know, it's, it's optimized. So we need to be able to have a vehicle to, to, to manage the results. So the biggest challenge by far is, is when you have these multi-touch channels or multi-touch cadences, I beg your pardon, and they're relying on the sales rep, again, generic term, to complete those activities and note them in the CRM. So as a marketing person or as a sales enabler or a sales leader, you need to be able to go back in and say, okay, Mark got a response on the third touch. So after he sent the letter on the start of our first week of outreach, by the time he made three touches, the third touch was a telephone call and he was able to speak and talk about the mail that he sent. We need to see that stuff inside the CRM so that we can then go, okay, that's a great, we're getting a great result there. Whereas if we get through to perhaps the seventh touch in the third week, you know, the results are starting to dwindle off and maybe we don't need to move past that point. So if you don't automate it inside your CRM, then you need to have really strong CRM discipline. And typically we find that's not always the case. 
if you've got a smaller team, less than 50 sellers, and you're working hand in hand, so you're actually in there in the trenches with the sales team, you can actually use a bit more anecdotal information. So you sort of know when the conversations are starting to happen. Are they starting to happen at the end of week two or are they starting to happen more towards the end of week four? But what I will say is we typically don't see that we need to go to that, you know, well-slated 12 to 15 touches. When you use a multi-touch across more than just email and telephone and more than email, telephone and LinkedIn, we're getting responses and responses are no thank you and yes, can I have some more information in that seven to nine space and, and often earlier depending on the, on the target market and how effective we are with the outreach. And how long at the upfront of the cadence should folks spend in doing some research and finding some custom information or is it mainly build the cadence, send it, and not too much customization because, you know, it's taking a lot of time to get that information together. So what we like to do is do like, you know, the start of the month, for example, we might have a new persona that we're trying to chase. So our clients might decide, okay, this week we're going to, this month we're going to talk to construction organizations. So we, we sit down and we hunker down for a couple of hours and we figure out what the perfect ICP is for those, those people. What sort of hours do they work? What sort of communication channels are they likely to be accessing and when because you know if you're sending if you're selling something to construction you know and depending on the size of the construction business the way that we communicate with them is going to be significantly different and that means that you know they're going to access their email for example much more likely on the telephone if they're in the field whereas you know if they're a really large construction organization we're selling to the fleet manager he's going to be sitting behind his desk with two monitors so with the sales team we would workshop that. We would also usually get the, the marketing function or whoever's responsible for that and figure out the talking points, you know, the benefits. And so we do all that up front and then build the cadence. And what we typically do is build the cadence, not quite just in time, but, but just in front of the sales team. So working with the sales team, the sales team, you know, and we basically workshop saying, what are going to be the most effective tools that we can use to reach out to this particular ICP? And they might say, well, you know, let's send, they nearly always want to send an email first because they want something to call on, right? So they go, well, let's send an email first. And then, you know, we might go to their LinkedIn profile. So every touch is going to be multiple channel. And I, and I like to use two or three each attempt, each outreach attempt. You know, and the second one might be a telephone call, leave a voice message, maybe send a text message and reply to that first email. So that's, you know, that's a pretty heavy attempt of four, four touches in that attempt. But, you know, each one of those will vary depending on the homework that we do in that very first session to set, set up the, the cadence and the ICP. Because, you know, if we're going to be calling, you know, construction engineers or, or drivers they're probably not going to answer their telephone if they're on site, particularly between 7.30 in the morning and, and 12 midday, because they like to get all their work done, you know, get a lot of activity done early in the morning. You're going to have more, more a beta result, higher level of result probably come the afternoon as they're doing a little bit of admin somewhere between that sort of 2.30 and, and 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They're not going to accept too many phone calls come 5.30, at least here in, here in Australia. Whereas if you're calling somebody that's office-bound, you know, you can probably call them right through to 6 o'clock at night and, and ringing them early in the morning is going to give you a better result. So taking the same cadence and the same outreach tools, the same channels to everybody is going to be a bit of a challenge in relation to securing best results. Got it. And so the main thing is doing your homework at the upfront and building the cadence on the attributes of the people that you're going to be reaching out to, because that's going to change depending on who it is that, that week or that month that you're targeting. Yeah. You just said that much better than what I did. Yeah. 
Got it. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> it takes me a little while to get these things. So, but I know. And the reason I, I ask is because I think we have a tendency to just go in, you know, guns blazing and not take that time at the upfront to do our homework. And so you're seeing a lot of time trying to call the, you know, construction guy when he's getting all his work done in the morning, he's never going to answer the phone. Whereas if you yeah. call them at four o'clock, there's a much higher propensity and it seems like you're going for a response, you know, whether it's yes, no, not now, bug off, like whatever it is. You're just trying to get a response from these people. It's not necessarily, you know, make a sale or even set a meeting. It's just get some sort of response from these busy people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So the thing for us here in Australia is we've only got about 26 million people as of today, which, you know, when you think about you compare that to the US, you've got, what, 310 million or something like that. So there's a lot of people. So our leads are scarce. So we want to talk to as many as we can. So the response rates need to be high. We don't have a lot of collateral, if you know what I mean. So if we want to talk to VP of sales, there's only a few thousand VP of sales. So having a, an outreach campaign that lets a lot of people easily fall through the cracks is not ideal. Yeah, you need to get to know every single one of them. And <laughs> those poor people are probably getting a lot of messages. So you better be good if you get them, right? Yeah. Yep, definitely. That's right. And the, the simple email and telephones is just falling through the cracks. 100%. Now, there's been an adoption here of sales engagement platforms like Outreach and Sales Loft. Is that as much of a trend in APAC as here in the U.S.? to use these as sort of a, a bolt-on to your CRM to help organize all this stuff? Yeah, so APAC's pretty good at adopting new technology. So a lot of the medium to larger organizations are rolling out you know, those exact tools that you're talking about. One of the challenges works well for me is that they're taking those standard you know, templates, if you like, and trying to apply those into the APAC marketplace. And they're not as terribly effective as what they could be. So, you know, I would then go into those organizations and help them rebuild their cadence to something that's a little bit more specific for our region and for our target market. So, for example, in Malaysia, it's about to be illegal to call somebody without permission. It's already heavily frowned on. It's considered to be a Western rudeness. So if you call into Malaysia and you're Australian and calling from an Australian number, they might answer the telephone, but they will, they'll be upset if you're in Malaysia and you call somebody else without their permission, then that's considered very rude. And like I said, I think it's the 1st of July, 2021. It's actually going to be illegal. Oh boy. So, okay. so we have to, so each region, we need to make sure that we've got the right cadence for each region. So in UAE, you know, the United Arab Emirates, one of the ways that people spam each other is through text message. So there's a lot of SMS messaging in UAE that just doesn't get answered. Yet here in Australia, you know, the open rate of text messages is like 98.5%. So just cutting and pasting a template, whether it comes from outreach or anybody else or even one of mine, into a region is going to really limit your, your results. Yeah. Don't do it, folks. Call Mark. Have him help you. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, buy this book. Oh, just yeah. do some research. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 100% because, you know, with any of these things, they're just platforms for you to put your own spin on, you still have to train people. You still got to do your homework. You still have to do sales training and, and all the, all the stuff that never goes away just by implementing some software. Right. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. But you know, and I, and I think it's we've all fallen for this trip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for, <laughs> for, for everybody, and I, and I think this is you know for the next couple of years at least the important piece for SDRs and 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 BDMs is that whilst there's plenty of really good tools, it's how you use the tools that make the difference, right? If you just cut and if you just grab the tools and just try and gamify it, it doesn't work. We're all seeing these mass template outreach on LinkedIn right now that's been going crazy oh for the last nine, nine, 10 months, but everyone already knows that it's, it's automated. So you've got to change the outreach a little bit. Otherwise people just assume that it's automated and don't bother res- responding. 100%. The tech tools are the same. Exactly. You've got to master the art of communication and Mark has it. I mean, it's right here. Tactical pipeline growth, winning the outbound battle for new business. Mark, this has been great, man. How can we get in touch with you? How do people you know, best connect with you? Is it LinkedIn? Is it Amazon? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah. So LinkedIn is my platform of choice. I hang out there a fair bit. I'm also on Twitter, which is M-A McInnes. That's M-C-I-N-N-E-S. I spend a bit of time on Twitter as well. But if you want to swap a message or two, LinkedIn is probably the best way to go for me for sure. And that's just, if you look on LinkedIn for Mark McInnes, M-C-I-N-N-E-S, you should find me pretty easily. Awesome. Well, Mark, thanks for coming on, sharing your knowledge on the Sales Development Podcast, and we'll see you again on another episode soon. David, loved it. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.